River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. I'm Dan, along with James, and we're two best buddies who are nuts about the 49ers. James, say hi to everybody. What up, everybody? <laughs> we are here. We're excited. Um, listeners, we are. We we just have to give you context on this uh, because uh, we are taping on cut day uh, on the 29th. So the cumulative amount of roster cuts that uh, our San Francisco 49ers have made, you know, and we don't. Because uh, I currently know three players that we cut, and uh, we'll just have to address the the totality of that uh, later down the road. But uh, we have one player that is staying on the roster that we will talk about in a sec. <laughs> I just want to say off the top, uh, thank you for your service if you got cut, and uh, congratulations for making the team if you made it. And also, uh, happy Madden Day, James. Did you know today was Madden Day? The day where we pay EA 60 bucks for the same game we got last year. <laughs> no, no, I did not know today was Madden Day because, you know, I stopped playing video games when I was like 19. And, um, <laughs> and so, like, I just don't have time for video games. I mean, I have a PlayStation, but it's mainly to be uh, a Bluetooth, a Blu-ray, not Bluetooth, Blu-ray player. Um, with, you know, just in case, like when we get older, we have kids, like we can have something around for them that we can buy games on that won't be literally, you know, $60 every time we pay for a game, you know, so. Right. I, I haven't bought one. Well, I kind of alternate, like I did 19, I skipped 20, I got 21, but I didn't buy 22. So, uh, by that logic, um, I mean, I kind of wanted to buy this one anyway, because John Madden's on the cover, but, um. Anyway, that's beside the point. I just have to. I'll figure out after the after this which limb I'm going to give EA, uh, unless I want to hold out till December and buy a used one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, listeners, uh, the title of this episode is "Us at Houston." We will talk about the Houston preseason game and how we belly flop there, uh, so to say. But uh, first off, this happened literally two hours ago. I, I have everything in mind I want to say about the Houston Texans game. And then I uh, I clock out from work. And uh, by the time I get home, I see that Jimmy Garoppolo, he has restructured his contract to an amazing degree. He was on the, we were on the hook to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million, roughly, uh, Fully guaranteed by, um, I think it was actually like September 13th when it was like due, like due, due, not tomorrow. But regardless, we were on the hook for a lot of money for him. And as we all presumably know, when are we going to cut him? Who are we? When are we going to trade for him? Uh, that didn't happen. We're keeping him. <laughs> we're only on the hook for six and a half million dollars base salary, uh, along with $500,000 in roster bonuses. So really assuming he's going to be suited as the backup, uh, all 17 games, we will pay him $7 million and there are escalators that send the contract up to $16 million. That's where it maxes out. We don't know what per escalators are just, that's what the total amount of money could potentially be. So when you look at it that way, 
he took a $10 million pay cut. He gave us $10 million. And then potentially at the start of the 2023 offseason, we could have $9 million on top of whatever we carry over from the end of this season. And then even more so on top of that, there's a no trade clause. There's a no franchise tag clause. Jimmy is staying on this roster. And then he is a full-fledged free agent next year. There's no more obligation to us unless something changes down the road. He's going to be our backup. It's got to be some insane offer for him to waive the the no trade clause, which I'm going to assume he doesn't. On, I mean, who knows, though? <laughs> but yeah, assuming he doesn't waive that trade clause and we can't franchise tag him. Yeah, we have the most expensive backup in the league now behind Trey Lance. And at least to me, that means Purdy's going out the door because uh, we decided to guarantee uh, Nate Sudfeld's two million dollar uh, contract that also has a million dollars worth of escalators to hit three million if he hits them somehow. But, uh, but yeah, that's the end of the Jimmy G saga. He's the most expensive backup in the league now. <laughs> James, did you see that coming? Like, what do you think of this crazy contract? Nope, oh, you're muted. I told you at the uh, at the beginning when we started first starting doing this show and started talking about having two quarterbacks is not you know, a bad problem to have. It really isn't. And, you know, John was pretty much, you know, it seemed like he wasn't going to trade him unless he got what he wanted for him. He didn't get what he wanted for him. So he worked out a deal um, that pretty much, you know, I think makes all parties happy, you know. Um, You know, Jimmy G, if he ends up staying on the roster till the end of the season, he's going to be a free agent. You don't know what's going to happen during the season. And there's a lot that could go on. Now, you know, 49er fans aren't estranged to quarterback controversies. And so, but, you know, this may, you know, be be one for the entire season. But, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they're a little worried that Trey isn't the guy. Maybe they were a little worried that Jimmy might go to the Seahawks, you know. So, you know, I think, you know, this allows both sides to say, hey, we're not finished with you yet, but at the end of the year, we'll know better if we're going to move on from you, you're going to stay on the team, or where we're going to go by the end of this, by the end of next year. So, um, you know, the fact that the 49ers at least did right by him by giving him a no-trade clause, by giving him a no-tag clause, that way he can be a full-fledged free agent at the end of the year. Um, and, you, you know, something like this, you know, uh, you know, could maybe allow somebody to now swoop in and make a trade. You don't know. But, you know, I mean, we got Jimmy. You know, you got a good backup. You got a real good backup. A guy who took you to the Super Bowl, you got him as your backup. And he almost took us to two. Took us yeah, to two yeah. NFC championships and one Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. So you got a guy that, you know, you know you can win with if, God forbid, something drastic, something happens, you know, to Trey Lance. Whether it be Trey Lance poops to bed for five straight games and they're like, well, maybe we uh, do something else. Or maybe Trey Lance gets hurt because he's a mobile quarterback, you know, tears his ACL doing something, whatever. You got, you got plan B and Jimmy. 
And that way, you know, you're not leaving it in the hands of Brock Purdy or Nate Sudfeld. Uh, if Trey gets hurt, you leave it in the guy who knows the offense, who uh, has taken you to a Super Bowl, two NFC Championship games. You know, this way, the season just doesn't just, if something bad happens to Trey, it doesn't just go all down the toilet, you know? Right. It says a lot. My God, there's so much to unpack with this. This says a lot about... I it's it, it does say something about Trey. It says that we acknowledge that Trey could be a project, or if not, just outright is a project. If they're more willing to say that than I am, I he's got project elements to him for sure. Uh, not to jump the gun on the Texans analysis, but um, he could he could have a very up and down season. Uh, and it also says a lot about Nate Sudfeld. Like we guaranteed his contract, but Nate Sudfeld is not. Trey Lance, and he's definitely not Jimmy Garoppolo. And then Mr. Irrelevant is is the worst option out of them. Like, no offense to him, but that's the worst option out of all of them. So it says a lot about, I guess what I'm going to say now, it says a lot about John, I think. I was telling you off mic. I think it says a lot about John and his ability to maintain relationships with players. Because if there's one thing I've noticed since we got him in 2017, there's there's... It's not fair for me to compare it to the other GMs, but I can see through um, the 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 way he's uh, carried the roster from year to year to year, and the way that uh, he's gotten these contracts worked out. Like at first, he was just writing checks, like like he had unlimited money, but now he's in the phase where he doesn't have the money per se, so it's reliant on the faith that this project's going to pay off. We got to a Super Bowl, we got to a second NFC Championship, like. If you're willing to stick with us, work with Kyle, this amazing coach, come to California. Maybe it's not as simple as that, but like it's, it's, there's something intangible in how. Uh, look at the Debo situation. He had to rebuild that relationship somewhat. It was a little overblown from what Debo said, but there there was the fear that he had to rebuild that relationship. And I'm sure he did to a certain extent. Same with Kyle. There's something about this trust in them. They, they, he's, he probably is one of the GMs that like just because he was such an accomplished player and he can see that as clearly as anybody else because he's also one of the younger GMs. There's got some intangible connection that he can make with players that now seeing it and the fact that we were able to keep Jimmy, I think is so valuable and it's just, uh, I don't know, something that I really admire about him. And he stuck to his guns on Jimmy, too. Like you said, I don't want to trade him unless I'm getting this. And I think the fact that he did that probably helped sway Jimmy as well. Not to say that, obviously, the the lack of trade market was not a factor, too. But, um, but I mean, no, it's, I, it's better than selling him for a fifth and sixth for, you know, like a top guy in the league, like the Cowboys did with Amari Cooper. Like, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, the, that's that. The, <laughs> that's you got spite, so- spiteful God versus uh, loving God there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm getting at is like, John clearly loves all these players and he clearly has a tremendous amount of respect for Jimmy G, which he more than deserves. He deserves absolute respect. I don't whatever you want to say about him as as a quarterback. But John clearly as a person, especially this offseason, seeing him. And uh, last offseason, too, working out all these contracts, uh, keeping this relationship with the team, uh, 
as as strong as it has, having very very little turnover, and then now uh, figuring out a way to get uh, Debo under contract. He's not the highest played or highest paid wide receiver, but he's still probably the most valuable player we have. That's not Trent Williams, and then getting Jimmy G. Like I I don't know. I I, I was texting my uh, Patriots friend about this too. Um, just like just before I got on the mics, I was te- I was texting my friend as diehard Patriots fan, and he asked me if I think Jimmy G is gonna do like a just mentally like check out, and I think he was teeing me up for it because he knew he knows Jimmy too from the Patriot years, and I said absolutely not. The way Jimmy has stayed quiet about this, nothing has leaked, or there and there's been no indication that. Uh, from camp that there's been any sort of animosity. He's carried himself like a professional. He understands this is a business. He understood last year they drafted this guy and he went out as and balled out as much as he could, even with a broken thumb. So I don't believe he's going to close himself off. I think if Trey's going to ask a question, he's going to give him an honest, straight answer. While at the same time, he wants to win. He, if he if he gets the chance to go out there, he's going to win. He knows the writing's on the wall. He knows if he does get a chance this year, he's going to go at it whole hog. But I don't think Jimmy, just as a person, is going to be this cagey, closed off, like expecting him to lose. Like, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that makes sense. And. And you that know, personality probably weighed into why he was, how this all ended up coming together. Like he, he probably knows that, he probably knows that his tape speaks for himself. And then he's just gambling on himself. And based on that relationship again that I was saying with John, that's probably why he was willing to put ten million dollars on the table. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, first of all, the guys got 75 mil, you know, that he's already earned so far from the contract that he gain so he probably a uh, hundred i think i think he signed a 125 million yeah but only 75 was guaranteed um and he se- played he played last year though this was the last this was the last year of the contract so it uh unless i have the number wrong but um but I, i'm sorry i interrupted you for no good reason <laughs> yeah i just i just pulled up sports track um or spot track which you know because I wanted to see if any more details on the contract. 137 and a half. Yeah, yeah, 100. So that's how much he's made. And So know. he made over 100 million already. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, there's, it's like, okay, maybe I could take a $10 million hit to be a backup, you know. And, I mean, still the highest paid backup, you know. Um, it's something that, you know, he can put on there, like, well, you know, if you're going to make me take a cap, take a pay cut, you need to make me the highest paid backup because I'm definitely better than the other 32 backups in the league, you know. But now 16 million, though, if somebody could become more, we still have two weeks. Somebody could be more inclined to pay him $16 million versus 25. Like in terms of football, in terms of football money, that is a, substantial difference in your cap space true true but also you know it's a one-year contract and you know you know they would pro and he has a no trade clause so the conditions of the no trade clause could not only be like i don't want to go there but if i'm going to go somewhere they're going to have to 
work out a deal with me, you know, being as is a one-year contract. Well, and it's got to be a situation he likes. He's got to feel that he's going to be able to succeed there. Yeah, he'll feel that he'll need to succeed, but he may also want the other team to make a commitment, you know, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. So, I mean, that, you know, who knows Who knows what that'll end up being, but as of right now, you know, um, there's been no major, you know, quarterback injuries or, you know, I guess the Cleveland Browns are okay going with Jacoby Brissett. You know, Jets are confident that Zach Wilson's going to be back in, you know, four, in four weeks, you know. Riding so, Joe Flacco. <laughs> I mean, going with Joe, probably <laughs> probably one of the worst quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl. But, I mean. <laughs> I would argue that, but then I saw on Facebook that Joe is, um, no, not the only Super Bowl winning quarterback to not be in the Pro Bowl. But it was just pointing out that Joe Flacco has never gone to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, because he he basically got hot for five games. That's that's basically what happened. Like, you know, he he was able to. He take... sparred pretty well against Big Ben. I remember getting excited for some of those games. Yeah, but it was basically it was it was usually a defensive battle. You were excited to see the defenses, not Joe Flacco versus Ben Roethlisberger. Like I wasn't excited to see Joe Flacco <laughs> go against Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. I was excited. I was excited to watch you know like you know Ed Reed and Ray Lewis go up against Ben Roethlisberger. You know the the Baltimore defense against the Pittsburgh offense, and then you know on the other side you had Troy Palomaro, whatever. But in any right. case, like. <laughs> The Jets are rolling with Joe Flacco, you know, the Browns are going with Jacoby Brissett, you know, I, it is what it is, you know, I think, I think maybe, you know, this is a good insurance plan for the 49ers, it's, you know, it, Jimmy's, like you said, Jimmy's betting on himself, and, you know, we got, you know, we got 18 weeks till, you know, or 19 weeks till we see the playoffs. And who knows what could happen in that amount of time. We've seen so many things happen in the league. So many guys go down either early or even late. And you just never know what could happen. I mean, you know, Nick Foles did it for the Eagles. Jim Plunkett did it for the Raiders. You know, Jeff Hostetler did it for the Giants. You know, late in the season, quarterbacks went down. Boom, you have this backup that comes in that has some sort of experience, comes and next thing you know, you're you're Super Bowl champions. And so um right. and if and if that happens, I mean, you know, Jimmy's probably gonna cash in, you know, if he leaves is he if he's the one that leads them. So Right. And again, I just to I'll just hammer it again because I just the, the the respect that the respect that Jimmy must have for John and Kyle to have entertained this this late like there there had to have been daily communication about like hey we're trying dude we're we're trying to do this for you we 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 respect and love what you did for this franchise we are doing our damnedest to do this for you how long ago must it have been when they must have said hey like we've tried we've tried every avenue with this trade um and Trey is Trey. Like, we think you'd be valuable here, but, like, we got to talk some numbers. At what point did that come up? And then when did Jimmy reply, you know what, I, yeah, you guys have been amazing for me. I I can swallow my ego if he even had one. It never seemed like he had that big an ego anyway. And just be like, you know what, 
sure, let's play ball. I still want to get some money, but like, sure, I'll I'll play ball with this. And if I get that out there on the field, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna prove to you that like maybe tra- maybe trading the barn for Trey was a bad idea. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I I did before we got on the air. I kept looking at Twitter and stuff like that, and I did see something. I believe it was from Adam Schefter that said the deal had been in the work for a couple of weeks. You know. And it was probably mm-hmm. like some sort of a handshake agreement. Like we're going to go to the 11th hour on this. And if nobody bites, we're going to agree to this contract. And so they probably had all the details worked out. Just seeing if somebody else, if somebody was going to come in and sort of swoop in and say. Do a last second trade. Do a last second trade before, uh, you know, the rosters were finalized. So, well, yeah, this would be the, not his guarantee day his guarantee day i i think was the 13th if i remember right i uh i saw michael lombardo talk on or michael lombardi talk on uh pat mcafee about a week ago about it but um but yeah today really is would have been more the the deadline since all the rosters have to be done uh tomorrow by lunch well lunch out in california but um but yeah jesus i <laughs> was not expecting to start the show with our Jimmy G emergency podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, quite... I don't have to get rid of my Jimmy jersey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so good. I I don't know. I'm. I guess I guess to to put a pin in it before we break down the Texans game. Uh, I'm happy. I I I'm assuming they're happy about this. I I don't believe Jimmy's that kind of guy that's going to have it, bring any animosity to it. I feel like that they're already had a team meeting about this probably and they probably welcomed Jimmy with open arms. There's no way that Kittle's upset about this. There's no way anybody's upset that they get to have Jimmy G around, even though Trey's a starter. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you have a guy that knows the locker room that, you know, can lead you to playoff wins and, you know, so he's, the, he's right now he's the backup. And so, and we just don't know what'll happen with Trey Lance this season. You know, he had a good first preseason game, and then you know he he didn't play the second one, and then you know this third one. I mean, I mean, I don't think the offensive line did him any favors, but um, you know, it really wasn't the best day for Trey Lance either. So no, and that's a perfect segue into um, talking about the game. I think uh, I feel like we should do it kind of like how we did before. Talk a little bit about offense, defense, and then if we have any scrap notes on special teams, uh, you kind of touched on it already. Um, Trey Lance and the the first team, I'm using finger quotes, uh, they were out there for three series, uh, even though all the first team receivers are only out there for one or maybe just the first and second. I can't remember, but I remember texting you that George uh, Brandon and Debo were all out. I think they're all out after the first one, but, uh, but yeah, not a, not a great start. Assuming that was the Texans, all number ones. I didn't verify that. Assuming that was the Texans, all number one pass rush against our very makeshift, uh, line. We had three starters, not on the offensive line, Trent Williams, uh, 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 McGlinchey and, um, I'm spacing on the other name, but, um, but no, that was he was under a lot of duress. And that's where I weigh a lot of it on it, on his performance. Um, I'm sure he had a little bit of stage fright, which I mean, yeah, he's a professional. He he probably had stage fright. That was the big that was 
the biggest stage he'd been on since that Arizona game, which was eons ago now in football time. Um, he he threw some he hit he missed George pretty bad. Um, I listened to um, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Somebody was talking. Uh, it was the 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 not statistician the co one of the the field reporters. That's what I'm trying to say. One of the field reporters from Thursday Night Football said he was next to Ryan Fitzpatrick when he threw that pass to Malik Turner, and Fitzpatrick lost his mind because. He didn't place it in a spot where Malik could get yards after the catch. And that was how that route was designed. And that's how that play was designed. Catch it in open space. And then he's got that space to get YAC, like how our play action passes kind of kind of work. And we let the league in yards after catch last year. But instead, he kind of threw it down. And so he had to fall with the ball. And then he was down there. So, um, I mean, I am borrowing that from that guy. But, um, but no, just overall, Trey just... He looked skittish. He he was not very accurate. Um, there was that Debo pass that should have been a PI. I agree with you, but um, but no, honestly, no one else really looked better. Nate Sudfeld was, I think Nate only had like seven pass attempts, and then uh, he there was nothing remotely special about uh, what he did. I was trying to pull up the box score. That was that's what all this clicking is. But uh, and then Brock Purdy didn't either. Uh, Purdy had great throws here and there. But at the end of the day, what really killed us more than anything, if you want to know, it's what I complained about last week. Fundamentals. We had another double-digit flag game in this. Yeah, the penalties were flags awful. Were, this game. Flags were driving me up a wall during this game. It, it, absolutely, here we go. I find, or no, that was the wrong game. Anyway, uh, no, we had too many penalties again, mostly on offense, a couple on defense, but... No, it was sloppy. Coach Shanahan said it best. It was just a sloppy game, and thank God we're out of there. Like, it was just, we couldn't execute anything. If we had any momentum, we had one step forward and then two steps back, mainly because of penalties. Uh, some drops, like the Willie Sneed drop, that would have kept us from getting shut out. But um, it's just a preseason game. It's not worth getting that frustrated over. But objectively, it is a game to analyze. And if we're going to analyze it like we're supposed to right now, yeah, the offense did not play good. The run game didn't really get that much going, and our passing game was pretty lousy. It just that's what it was. It was just a lousy pass game from us. It was just bad all around. Yeah, it, it looked like, you know, maybe the Texans probably had more depth on you know, on their roster than maybe what the 49ers had on their roster. Um you know, plus, you know, they found it's what's you know everybody I, you know the word from the game was everybody was excited about Damian Pierce because you know they drafted him in like the the Texans drafted him like in the third or fourth round and then he was automatically I, dubbed the starter and yeah, I finally got the box score by the way I was just <laughs> it's just gonna interrupt you to say that but uh but yeah no Pierce I Pierce was getting a lot of the attention I agree yeah and. And so, it, I mean, it just, it, it was probably more, you know, the fact that maybe the Houston Texans have more depth on their roster, especially on defense. I don't, I don't know anybody who plays for the Texans, but, you know, to come in there and, you know, as backups, you know, um, you know, the stifle, you know, the 49ers uh, offense like that with some of the first team players, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, and the offensive line, 
didn't really look that good. Like, you know, if, if you're going to win games, it's going to be in the trenches and you got to give your quarterback protection. And so Trey was under duress a bunch of times. And, you know, it was, it really was, it really was a lot. It was like, if all all, the main thing I took away from that is if for some reason, Trent Williams, McGlinchey doesn't come back because he is dealing with something, but minor, if we get that far down on the offensive line, that was a, that really was pretty alarming. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I heard on Matt Mioka's show um, that the that Kyle Shanahan said that they're going to keep nine offensive linemen. Um, and so, you know, Poe is on that second team, and he might be the one that either gets, you know, might end up being the last guy on there. But, I mean, I don't know. It just definitely the offensive line was probably, like, the biggest um, – biggest problem with the with the game for sure um you know and you know the quarterback you know trey couldn't get anything going Sudfeld couldn't get anything going like you said purdy had a couple good throws but for the most part um the 49ers just kept shooting themselves in the foot with everything that they were doing so i am looking at the box score now like i did last week here's how good here's how good some of purdy's throws were like think of the two minute drill that he did at halftime when I read this, he was 13 to 20 for 182 yards. And then that one really bad pick he had. Yeah. And then Nate Sudfeld, he did pass more passes than I thought. He was five for 10 though, for 49 yards and one pick. He was, I I'll say he was terrible. He was, yeah. he, he physically like everything about him. He just, he just was not ready for that game. And then Trey was not much better. Seven for 11 for 49, no touchdowns, no picks. And then, uh, he was, he credited, uh, one rush for one yard. So, I yeah, he he didn't look as bad as Sudfeld, but he literally had the same productivity. So, I, at the end of the day, I, no, it was just really bad on offense. In total, we only had 24 carries for 51 yards between all of our running backs. Like, I can't even call out Sermon. Nobody could get anything. <laughs> nobody could yeah. get anything running. Jeff Wilson yeah. didn't look bad, though, in start of Elijah Mitchell, though. So, if anything, Wilson's definitely still the the number two. Um, but then, yeah, the in contrast, Houston, uh, God, Damon Pierce turned six carries into thirty seven yards and a touchdown. He he went through our defensive line like butter. Like, yeah, mo- most yeah. of those starters were out. Like uh, Armstead wasn't in it, and Bosa wasn't on it. But uh, but no, I I guess segueing into the defense, just I mean the defense. If you if you think about it, like you think about the totality of the game, like the defense keeping keeping an offense, you know, keeping the Texans to 17 points really isn't that bad. You know, 17 holding a team to 17 points should win you a game. Your offense should be able to score at least more than 17 points in a game. Like I don't I'm not necessarily I don't you know, the only thing is they sort of got bailed out towards the end when uh, the receiver dropped an easy touchdown, which would have made it 24 to nothing. But at the same token, you know, it was seven, you know, they kept them in the game, you know. They they still kept them in the game going into the fourth quarter. Like, 17 points, holding a team to 17 points should win you a game, you know. and True, yeah. Ben, don't but, break. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, 
after after the Houston's first team came off the field, um, and even while it was on there, you know, I mean, for the most part, I think the defense did a pretty okay job with not getting the 49ers too deep into a hole, you know, and it was more more the more the blame should lie on the offense for not being able to score points, you know, and, you know, if you, there were two interceptions thrown, so that's two turnovers, which if, you know, you know, if you, if you equate that to how many points the Houston Texans put on there, I mean, it probably should have put up more. So the defense, at least allowing only 17 points, I don't, I think the defense did at least, I mean, it definitely did better than the offense for sure. And yeah, they they had their moments. Um, I was just looking over the stats again. Again, Drake was making pressure. Like I want to call him out. Drake was Drake was doing what a second round pass rusher should be doing as a rookie. Like you can tell he's productive, but he's just not quite there yet. Like I will yeah. see. I maybe we maybe we'll rotate him in against the Bears, but um, he's he's definitely not bad. I'm not at all trying to poo on him. He was. I I, I saw him make a couple good. Uh, Attempts at Mills every now and then. Um, yeah. Ecubom got a sack, though. That was really... He's who's supposed to be in front of him. So I think we'll be good if Ecubom has to start. Um, I want to call out Womack, too. Because Womack, I believe, is going to be our starting nickel. I wouldn't be surprised if Mosley, who's back at practice, and Ward, who's finally back at practice, too. They're going to be our two uh, on the outside. Womack in the nickel. And I say that because... He adjusted so well getting picked on in the uh, first or second quarter. He got he got caught in a PI. He didn't turn around. He got kind of caught up in the receiver. Like, yeah, you're going to get flagged for that. But then when he got picked on again just a little bit later, he covered that perfect. And he got the deflection. And then I think Lenore was there to make the pick. Or uh, Moore. Moore was there to make the pick. Yeah. That, I, I, I've been, I'm really... We've talked about him three weeks in a row now. I think Womack is definitely going to be one of the steals of the draft for us. Like, yeah, he's going to get picked on. He's probably going to give up some pretty bad burns here and there. But I've, I've been very impressed with him. I, I can't wait to see him go against real first-string talent. Well, yeah. It, it, you know, I think, once again, like you said, Womack, you know, Womack is definitely impressing on this roster. Nickel corner is probably where he'll end up. And, you know, if... You know, Ward or um, um, the other guy, what's Mo- Mosley? Ward or Mosley gets hurt, you know, you know he can come up there and cover in a pinch, you know, and be the second QB, CB. Um, so, yeah, I think Womack, I think it was definitely a good pick. What round was he in again? Uh, he was fifth. I Yeah, he was our, he was a fifth round pick, I think. Yeah, so that's not you know getting a nickel corner straight out the gun year one after after on a fifth round pick. That's that's really pretty decent, you know. And he you know who knows maybe he could develop into something more, um, you know, over the next couple of years, you know, and probably hope that. But I mean, it's always good to have a nickel corner with the way offenses are, you know, with the way offenses are doing passing all the damn time so and have at least three receivers on the field at most times well yeah with the pass coverage is something that kyle's already definitely emphasized um across the board because all of our linebackers their main attribute is that they're 
fast. Like, uh, it's now two years ago now, um, but Fred Warner two years ago was rated the number one pass coverage linebacker. And so he emphasized, he he's very aware of it, of how pass-happy this league is. He's been trying to get more pass-happy despite being uh, so run-heavy. He's He wants to ball it out, too, because that's what the league is now. So, and we got to find, and we have to, he wants somebody to replace, um, oh my God, I'm already forgetting his name. We need somebody to replace um, our nickel uh, from last year, who's on Denver now. I'm literally forgetting his name, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, he he likes having nickels out there, or uh, D'Amico does. So um, obviously, if you need the coverage, you gotta have someone out there you trust. Um, but no, I'm just I'm worried about um, if Odom, because uh, Odom, I mean, I, nothing really. I can't. I'm not gonna really poo-poo him, but I'm also like. Odom's more of a special teams guy than a straight safety. So I'm tying this a little bit into what I texted you earlier that Tart is back on the market, who we released and the Eagles picked up, but have now subsequent, subsequently cut a couple hours ago as part of their final roster cuts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I With this fresh $10 million that we got now, maybe we can knock on Tart's door and bring him back i hope i mean i hope so did you did you pay a lot of attention to uh did you did any notes about him come up in eagles training camp while you were looking at it i mean not really you know i've been listening to podcasts eagles podcasts and nobody's really talked about jacquisti tart you know they all felt everybody felt like he just didn't have a good camp um didn't make the most of his time and was then was going to end up being cut um from the roster um so I'm not surprised that he got cut, you know, um, and I mean, but who knows? Maybe he doesn't make it through waivers. Maybe somebody picks him up. But if he doesn't make it through waivers, he obviously was able to come in a spot for you guys, you know, last year. Um, Perfect redemption story. We let him go. He ends up coming back. He gets an opportunity to redeem himself for that missed pick he had in the NFC Championship game because he was the one that dropped it. Yeah, yeah, and you know maybe maybe you're maybe you're he right. He knows our scheme too. He knows our scheme already, so there's nothing to coach him up on. Exactly, exactly. So he could be easily come back to the team, but he wasn't making enough waves in um, in Eagles camp for anybody to consider keeping him on. You know, they signed him. You know, the Eagles had only signed him to a one year deal. It was a very small deal. Um, sort of like come in and prove yourself deal. And really he didn't, you know, everybody's reaction from camp was that he, I mean, he barely got talked about even as far as like when you listen to who had a good camp, who had a bad camp, like, you know, it just, you signed for one year, you know, like, yeah, he just, he couldn't prove himself to the Eagles and, you know, maybe he comes back for the 49ers. He could just he could have just missed the West Coast too. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, honestly, I I'm trying to think. There's really not too much else um, I had note wise. I didn't even really take notes during this game. I was just because I was so in the mode, just like watching it because like it was prime time and it was the first time we got to see this new crew. Um, uh, I mean, I have special teams. Um, I, uh, I'm just trying to think. Malik Turner, Jesus Christ, he is so fast as a gunner, dude. Yeah, I, he, I feel like is. we've called him out as a gunner three times in a, or three episodes in a row now. He is so 
stupid fast chasing down the ball, whether it's a punt or a kick. He, I feel like 17 is always right there, like right where the ball is. Yeah, it's like as soon as as soon as she they cut to, you know, the guy who's going to catch the ball on the punt return, you see Turner just coming like right into the screen, like he's right there all the time. And so, like, yeah, he's going to be a good gunner. Um, you know, we also saw that he was able to cause havoc by getting a forced fumble, you know, in the preseason game against the Vikings. So, um. You so know, he's made the roster. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he has to have made the roster. And, you know, Lenore, you know, I think, you know, he's a guy that sort of, you know, he has the speed um, and to be a good special teamer. And, you know, I think I think both of those guys sh- should make it um, on the team, you know, for their special teams play. Um only thing I wanted to take note of, like some of the things that Trent Williams said was that Poe was having a good camp when they interviewed Trent Williams and talked about the offensive linemen and like some of these new guys having a good camp. He said that Poe was having a, uh, a good uh, camp. So maybe Poe is the last guy on the roster or the last offensive guy, offensive lineman to make the roster roster. But yeah. Um, but like you said, overall this game, Nothing really awesome to talk about when we look at it, you know. Uh, and you said, you know, Jackson gets a lot of pressure, but the thing about his pressure is he's he's getting it, but then, you know, he's not getting there, and it's he's causing not, he's he's not finishing. He's not finishing, or he can't get there in time, and he ends up getting a penalty. Like he ends up with a roughing the passer penalty. Oh uh, God! Right when he, oh my God, when he. Was he the one that slammed Mills into the ground? Yes, he literally just, like, <laughs> took his shoulder. And now, to be fair... Uh, that was so egregious. The play was so over. I don't know why he kept going. Well, to be fair, to be fair, it was sort of a bang-bang play. And the... Uh, I remember uh, writing this down. Uh, where is it? Uh, in the third... So this happened in the third quarter... The ref who they had in the booth felt that it was close enough to be a clean hit. Like it wasn't helmet to helmet or anything like that. Like basically he just sort of lowered his shoulder, put it into his chest and the ball was just, just came out like just a tick lick before that. And so, but he has also in, in the other games has gotten the roughing the passer penalties. So, um, I don't know, like, I just hope, like, he can rally that in because, you know, especially, like, you know, you don't want that to happen on a third or fourth down play, you know, where you stop the person, but, you know, this guy gets a roughing the pass or automatic first down, keep the chains moving for the uh, for the offense. Right. I mean, hopefully that's just fundamentals. But I keep saying we got to stop these stupid penalties and, like, hone in the actual excuse me, the technique of whatever your position is. But, I mean, we'll see. We we still got two weeks until we go to Chicago, face Justin Fields. Um, the last thing I actually want to say has nothing to do with the game. Um, it was, this is the first time that we saw these preseason, or saw this Thursday night football crew. Um, I guess I guess a hot take note on, I don't I don't remember the woman's name. I do apologize for that. But uh, uh, they got Tony Gonzalez from Fox, Ryan Fitzpatrick off the street, and Richard Sherman off the street. And then I don't know where the girl came from. Uh, uh, 
I'm forgetting his name, the left tackle from the Rams. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know him. Uh, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. But he he's apparently going to be on it every now and then. But then Al Michaels and uh, his partner, they're the broadcasters. Al and him are the two I want to talk about right now. Did you notice how checked the F out Al Michaels was after halftime? <laughs> <laughs> Could you hear in his voice how over this game he was? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's preseason and, you know. Well, right. Yeah, I mean. It's a dry. I mean, it's a dry run for them. This was the first time I believe this was the first time that this Thursday night crew like literally like start to finish did a game, so they needed they they needed a rep. I mean, Al obviously didn't. Al, Al obviously doesn't. He's been doing this for like damn near fifty years. Oh so, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, he didn't need the reps, but um, but no, it was just so funny on um the Malik fumble when um I'm forgetting his partner's name, but um. When his partner was like, uh, oh, uh, I wonder if the guys from New York are going to check this play out. And Al Michaels, without skipping a beat, says, New York's gone home. <laughs> he could not have <laughs> cared any less about the game during the two-minute warning. He was so done. <laughs> just, it just made me laugh. And he also, he also said a comment that I wrote down. Um, he was like, Oh, well, what's a preseason worth anyway? A Dogecoin? That's still a thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, that was funny, too. I was, I was crying laughing at that. Just, I was I was half listening to... I was like... I kept trying to remember, like, focus on the game, but Al Michaels was cracking me up the entire second half. He was just so tired of our game. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I just wanted to point that out. Um, I think now... Uh, before we get into the last leg of this, uh, James, how about uh, we have a little word from our sponsor? Sure, guys. If you're in the uh, Melbourne, Florida area, reach out to Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate, 321-698-4692. When I was shopping for a home in the Rockledge, Florida area, I told Ali how much I wanted to pay for a house, and she respected my price range and did not try to persuade me to go above my budget. She's a great realtor that will get you into a house you love at a price you can afford. That's Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate, 321-698-4692. That's 321-698-4692. Yes, thank you so much for your sponsorship. We appreciate it. Uh, listeners, we are going to address uh, the top 100 players um we do know what song it is and you all should too um <laughs> that we're gonna end up singing but um before we get to that we have to double check real quick how things are looking on bavada do you have any jimmy b's long shots uh anything new or surprising happened just in the last week um not that i've noticed i would say after uh, all the preseason games really nothing changed well Honestly, I, I totally forgot about Jimmy G's long shots. I can do Bavada <laughs> Sports and just go to NFL Futures. Hold on, let me I'm see. If I, was, I would be shocked if nothing changed. Like, um, Tom, I, I, I caught a little bit of the, the Colts game. Um, I was helping my girlfriend. Uh, we were watering flowers at the same time, but uh, Brady lost another, uh, at least one offensive lineman. So, um Bucks yeah. are still plus 750 to win. Yeah, they're still... Uh, How? Their offensive line is terrible. 
Well, you know, they got Tom Brady. They got Tom Brady, bro. That's I guess that's Vegas. That's that's just what Vegas says. They got, uh, they got you know. I get he's got a lot of weapons. Like, I mean, we'll see what Kyle Rudolph can do. Probably nothing. But I, uh, and who knows when Godwin's coming back. But I, 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 that is so much faith in in the Buccaneers. They got to be banking on him getting like extra hot, like in November. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's what they're banking on. I mean, you know, I, you know, I really don't make these odds. I think, you know, there's some people say there's algorithms, but from what I learned maybe a couple of years ago, oh, maybe more than a couple of years ago, but it's usually just guys who know football. They make the odds, you know, there's guys. So just people like us that just get paid to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. They, they just watch so much football that they can create a point spread and they can create odds you know they might have an algorithm that you know does it you know and then they sort of adjust it based on you know their knowledge you know of football and where they actually might really be but i mean you know i mean there's a couple that you might like uh word is uh because basically you know i've been listening to the eagles podcast and i've been you know up until up until the Miami joint practices, the Eagles were undefeated in joint practices. Now, that's based on opinion by some reporters, but usually after all the joint practices that they've had, they've come out on top. Everybody has sort of said they've won all those practices, and they were undefeated in those practices. And they were last year, and they made the playoffs. But this year, Miami beat them in joint practices. Now, there's a lot to consider there, but... I mean, they also crushed them 48 to 10 in a preseason game. So, so like, either the Eagles are going to be, you know, I mean, the Eagles lack depth probably, and that's probably why they got. But, you know what? You know, they got Tua, who's in his third year. They got Tyreek Hill. They beefed up. They got Mike McDaniels as the coach. <clears throat> Looks like Miami Dolphins are plus 2,000 to win the AFC. Just the AFC, not the Super Bowl. The AFC. Wow, that's yeah. definitely lower than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes, plus two thousand. It's twenty to one, but still, like not even uh, a thousand. It's all the way down there. That's crazy. It's twenty to one. Yeah, it's twenty to one to uh, for the um, for the Miami Dolphins just to win the AFC, and you know. I mean, their con- their conference has a lot of talent in it, but I th- I thought they'd have been at like twelve hundred or like closer to a thousand. That's crazy. Well, they're plus two thousand. Probably nobody's betting on them. That's probably why they haven't dropped. But I mean, you know, I think you know, yeah, they they play in a tough conference. They got the Bills. They got the Patriots. I mean, Jets probably not going to be anything this year. But you, I mean, you can't rule out the Chiefs either. Even without Tyreek, you can't count out the Chiefs. Can't count out the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are, uh, let's see, AFC winners. Um, let's see, AFC winners. Let's go back to AFC winners. AFC winners. Um, I, I'm going to Chiefs, I'm are, gonna, plus, Chiefs are, are plus 550. So okay, that's, five, gonna, that's five and a half to one. Bengals, I was going to guess 850. But. Yeah, Bengals are plus 1100. Um, you know. But I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna they didn't dark lose horse, anybody, they got their offensive line better. Why are they not under a thousand? <laughs> I just, I think Who maybe was they, making these numbers up. <laughs> well, I think you know, if you look at teams 
that have lost the Super Bowl and the chances of them getting back to the Super Bowl. Um, oh, the, I've very, seen... the, very, the very next year, the very next year, um, the likelihood is usually not. I don't think really that's happened since maybe. Let me see. Last time the last Super Bowl winner. The Patriots did that. The Patriots lost 52 and then they won 53. That's true. That's the Patriots, yeah. So are you Patriots are you talking are... about quarterbacks that lost their Super Bowl debut and then never got back? Because I've seen that come up a few times. That has come up a few times too, but uh, yeah, like so throw Tom Brady out of it because yeah, he lost the Super Bowl, made it back. You think of like a quarterback in his He's done he's done that. I think he didn't he do that twice? Because, uh, or no, he wasn't in 50, and then he might do it this year, cause, or, uh, uh, or no, he wasn't in this one. No, he's only done it the one time. Never mind. He's only done it the one time, and it's Tom Brady. So right, you got to right. throw, throw that out the window. But I think, yeah, your, your clause there is right. A quarterback that made his debut in the Super Bowl and lost um, usually doesn't make it the next year to the Super Bowl. like Or back again that was that was what i saw made it back again uh the video i saw the last quarterback to get back to a super bowl after losing their debut literally was jim kelly oh okay so there you go so there you go that's probably it it's probably why they're so low you know um which when you so, put it that way okay i just personally i'm still surprised that like they're not like 950 like even like 950 just just a hair above a thousand yeah, They're I guess just so talented. They got a lot of talent. It's just one that the Bengals, two, you know, second in this, you know, second year, second year, um, trying to go back after a Super Bowl loss. It really, right. It really is a hard thing to do. And you know, I mean, I'd like to see it happen. I think I have money on it happening. But right. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably where. It, Vegas is coming from. They're probably thinking, well, sophomore, you know, no, they made it. He made it his debut. He lost. What are the chances he gets back again? So, um, that that's probably what we're looking at there. And that's probably history has a tendency to repeat itself with those things. So, right. Um, but I mean, let me see if there's anything else that I, I mean. Well. I mean, technically, plus 550 for Kansas City to win the conference. You know, you got that right there. Um, that's plus 550. Um, I mean, I that was. I mean, Dolphins at plus 2,000 to win the AFC. I don't think would be a bad bet. I think that you know you could. I mean, I think they could win the AFC. I think they could surprise people this year. You know, like word out word out of camp. <laughs> I'll say after we have to backpedal a little bit after we trashed them a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah yeah after our schedule release show i think we trashed them and then just the more i hear coming out of you know miami dolphins camp and you know um yeah i think you know maybe they might actually end up doing something i mean true they won they won nine games last year when the owner wanted them to lose so you know they had hey, they they Eh, they technically, they well, okay, the league says they didn't find evidence of that, but I'm kind of erring more on your side with this. I just, for legality's sake, the league did say that they didn't find evidence of that, 
but they didn't say they didn't find evidence of all the other stuff. <laughs> well, I think they said the evidence is clear that I think, you know, when you look at the fact that they won nine games, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't tank. But I think if you, I mean, Brian Flores. If, is this like a, the owner isn't mad that you won, but he would have been happy if you lost at the same time? Like, I'm happy either way, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. But, I, you know, the fact that they go, I mean, first of all, Miami is, I still think they're a dumpster fire. Like, just the ownership itself is a complete dumpster fire. But I do think that, you know, last year they had a decent enough roster to win, to go nine and eight when the owner allegedly wanted them to lose. You know, and so they have the talent on the roster. They added Tyreek Hill to the offense. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could see, and they got a new head coach. They got, you know, Mike Daniels, right? That's his name? Mike Mike Daniels. Mike McDaniels from the 49ers. So, you know, I think they could make some noise this year. And so winning the AFC um, is kind of plausible for them, you know? So, um, yeah. Well, I think with that, then, listeners, uh, we have been patiently waiting for the top 100 list to finally round out. And we, in one of the most egregious television broadcasts I've ever seen in my life, God, dude, I... I want to I want to complain about how stupid that broadcast was like the the it's cool to honor the players. That's not what I'm complaining about. But a commercial break after every single person. Oh, my God. Get there's a reason it went on till 1030. Jesus. Like <laughs> I, I I listeners, I couldn't watch the top five once once they were done with 10 through six and they were like on the next episode. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, plus we already figured out where Trent was at that point anyway. It was, yeah, it was fun to watch until then. I was like, Jesus Christ, it's 10 o'clock. No, I'm good. But, uh, <laughs> but to recap, uh, to recap where we were, Kyle Juszczyk was number 100. He kicked off the list. Jimmy Ward was 96. And then we fly all the way up to 47 with Fred Warner. 25 was Nick Bosa. 22 was, uh, George Kittle. And so that left presumably just two 49ers in the top 20, and it was, and it was the two that we suspected, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. Uh, Honorable mention, though, Jimmy G made the top 110. He was 106. I was caught off guard by that. I didn't think, like, kudos. That's mad respect for, uh, that's mad respect for him, that he was still just shy of the top 100. I mean, or, I mean, were you a little surprised at that, seeing that in the broadcast? Well, I, actually, I didn't get that far because once once I found out where uh, Trent landed, you know, um, I decided to let my wife take over the TV, so I didn't see oh, that Oh, so part. I watched more than you to begin with. You <laughs> <laughs> watched more than I to begin with. Once once I knew where Trent was, I was just like, okay, hon, you can watch whatever you want. I know what I want to, I know what I, I just learned. And, you know, and so, cause that, you, know, you, you didn't even tell me you tapped out. You just let me keep texting you about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be mad. I stopped at 10 o'clock then. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Because 
I oh, had to go. So, to, I had to go to bed too at ten. That's so, until... that's so funny. Yeah. So <laughs> like, well, you know, I told my wife, yeah, I want to watch this. You know, it's probably going to be like two hours. It starts at eight, and then well, thank you know, God he thank God he uh, landed where he was then with how late that stupid broadcast went. Oh my gosh! Thank God he wasn't in the top five. I was just like, uh, <laughs> like. But yeah, I mean, you know, and my wife was having a bad day. And so, you know, I, I sort of conceded and was just like, you, you put on what you watch, hon. I already know what I want to know. So, right. um, you know, I, you know, one, one beef I have with the list, um, you know, is that, you know, Lane Johnson isn't in it. Um, you know, he, I, I mean, he, was, he wasn't even in the honorable bottom ten. I didn't. Um, were there any? Were, were there any Eagles in the bottom ten? Because I didn't even see that. Like the honorable ten. Uh, Brandon Sheriff was. Marlon Humphrey was. Jimmy G was. Um, DK Metcalf was. Um, uh, I said Brandon Sheriff. Um, I don't think there was. I, I I don't think there was. I don't know how easy it'd be to Google the bottom five or bottom ten. But I no, I don't think an eagle was. Yeah, so, like, Lane Johnson just, you know, Lane Johnson not being on the list, I mean, and, you know, that sort of, I mean, he's just been probably, you know, in my mind, the best right tackle that in the league, um, you know, for a while, you know, I just, uh, I think he should be in the top 100. Um, and I think, you know, I'm going to call it next year for next year's list that Jordan Malata is going to be in the, in the top 100 next year. Like he could have very easily been on the list this year, but, you know, looking at, you know, um, what tackles were on there, especially the left tackles, um, you know, but I think next year you're looking, you know, Jordan Malata keeps going on the career path that he's been going on since he came into the league um he should next year uh if not first team all pro should be in one of the all pro teams i i mean i hope so with the way that he sounds like he plays i mean if he lives up to those expectations i mean there's no reason i'm sure he's definitely i don't know i'm sure he's definitely a sleeper to a bunch of guys in the league like well, if he's been graded as high as he has been well, I'll, uh, you know, I I say because you know I watch the Trent Williams and I watch what Trent Williams does, like what they showed and what they what people like about Trent Williams and what he does and the things that he can do, and Jordan Mulata can do all of that, you know. Jordan, can Mulata, he go in motion in the backfield? <laughs> have you seen? Have you ever seen him play rugby? Have you seen what he did in the rugby leagues? No, I've I've still not just like gone out of my way to watch that now. Or look, did you look, did you send me it before? I don't know if I sent it to you. I don't, I don't think you have. I'll, I'll have to send it to you after. You should see when he got drafted, they played tapes of him playing, you know, rugby, right? And, like, I mean, he's just, he flies like a gazelle down the field. This big guy is so freaking fast, right? He He just, first of all, I believe he ran, like, four... An offensive lineman, he ran a 5.140, you know, which is fast for an offensive lineman. Holy crap. Yeah, it is. Like, it, he ran a really fast 40. When you see him play these rugby's, I mean, he literally looks like a giant among, like, fourth graders. Like, that's, like, guys just, 
they can't get him to the ground. It takes like six guys to get him to the ground because he was like the main ball handler in rugby. Like he just gave him <laughs> the ball. And so when I see when I saw some of the tape that they were playing for Trent Williams, now you won't see him in motion as long as Nick Sirianni is the head coach because Nick Sirianni doesn't like motion. He doesn't do motion. But what you could see him do, because I think Nick Sirianni is creative enough to think of this, uh, you could see him in a goal line package where maybe he's the tailback or maybe he's the fullback, you know, or, you know, maybe, you know, they figure out that he can catch a ball. And they, I mean, they did they did a tackle eligible play this year where they threw at the Lane Johnson for a touchdown. He could very easily do that. He's very athletic. And so my guess is next year he's going to be an all pro if it transcends the way you go where he's been. So, and he's just a great guy. He's just a really personable, great guy, you know, and, but when I saw what the film, what they were showing as far as film, when they were talking about Trent Williams, I'm like, Melata can, can do all of that too. He's just, he's still, he's still transcending upwards. And so by the time he reaches his full potential, you're talking about a guy that could be as good as Trent Williams. And that's how I see it. I'm going to be, well, I'm going to be cheering for him. Like I'll, I'm going to try to squeeze in those um, since we have plus the the recaps of the Eagles games. If I I'm going to try to because I want to follow them since you were following the Niners with me. But even though we're making the Niners podcast, but I want to I'm going to be up to I want to be up to date. I don't just want to read the box scores like uh, or if I have to, I'll bite the bullet and do the 10 minute YouTube ones of nothing else. But I mean, I, I want to try to pay it back and I, I don't know. I'll be cheering for him. I hope so. Yeah, for a guy. <laughs> For a guy that was drafted in 2018, so that, what is this? His fifth season. This is his fifth season, and um, I mean, he 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 didn't know how to put on pads. Yeah, to teach him how to put on pads. <laughs> like, like that's this is it. Like, like he he didn't know how to put on pads. He didn't know what a first down was. He didn't know what anything was like. He had never watched a game of football. He had never, he, I mean, he just, right. you know, he was a project. And I think, I think still to this day, he's still the only like rugby player to ever be drafted. Like he was drafted in the seventh round. And um, so, and so, yeah, I think Mulata will be an all pro next year and he'll be, he should be on the list next year, I think. So, well, I, I, I hope so. I will keep an eye on him, obviously. But tying this into who was on the list, the two Niners, like I said, were Debo and Trent. Debo, appropriately, was number 19. He was just ahead of uh, J.C. Jackson, which, I sidebar, I did not realize J.C. Jackson was that regarded. I feel stupid for not realizing he was a top 20 talent. <laughs> but Trent Williams, I was very steadfast in belief that he was going to crack the top five. He was the highest graded lineman ever in the history of the top 100 list. However, I don't even know if that's a decade old. Yet. Yeah. But um, yeah. highest graded lineman of all time at 14. <laughs> yes, yes. So way, way not even close to the top 10. <laughs> yeah. And to the 49ers fan who, you know, who felt that Trent Williams was disrespected because he wasn't in the top five, and I sort of said, "Well, he's the highest, greatest lineman ever, you know, ever in this poll." I don't really think he's getting that disrespected that much, you know. Um, 
you know, if, like if he was ten, if he was ten, I'd, I'd feel. I mean, it's an arbitrary whatever list. At the end of the day, I'm just be real. But at <laughs> at the same time, I mean, I feel like a majority of people were hoping that he was just like at ten. I just decided to go that extra step for five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, that's still, yeah, at the end of the day, no, the 14th best, best player in the league is the best tackle in the league. Like, I mean, he still should be very, very, very proud of that. And he's oh, yeah. 32. He's 32. Yeah, and, you know, once again, he's gotten the 99 on Madden. He's the high. I mean, he's the highest graded tackle in the league. Or that's 33. I, All that that you just said and what I said, at 33. <laughs> <laughs> That is, yeah. that's ancient for a football player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I Trent Williams, I don't think he's getting disrespected by being at 14, uh, like maybe some people were saying. That's just me being a non-biased observer. Um, you know, like I said, he's the highest lineman ever to be on the list. And, you know, I, I think to say that he is the highest lineman on the list is, Definitely not disrespect. I mean, he's up there. He's in the top 15, top 14, so. Right. I'm not going to lose sleep over this. Like, I was hoping, like, he's still in the top 20. And for a tackle, a non-skill, well, non-skill, that's a stupid way to put it because every position's skilled. But for intents and purposes, I mean, a non-skill position player, yeah, no. It's, it is an absolute hell of an accomplishment to, to do what he did. Again, at his age, we have to remind ourselves that he spent nine years with Washington and he's still playing like he's 24. Like that alone is just, uh, just unreal for a guy, his size too. Like we see TJ Watt, my dad, my dad put it this way. Uh, TJ Watt's not as good as he was. Cause he's too big for his body. His spirit is there, but his body's starting to fall apart. Trent Williams has had no signs of his body falling apart, except for that really nasty ankle sprain that he had, that he's admitted that he shouldn't have played on in the NFC championship. But I mean, Hindsight's 2020, but but no, because of Trent Williams being in 14th instead of five, I got a little overzealous there. I'll admit it. Uh, we're <laughs> going to sing. We're going to sing. Fly Eagles, fly. Uh, we both have the same YouTube video up. Uh, do you have yours? Do I have it up? Oh no, I don't have it up. Okay, what? well you know about. So you're just going to kind of be following me, or well, how... well okay, so. So okay, I'll put it. Yeah. I'll put. I'll put it in the chat. Give me a sec, uh, so you can just click on it. Okay, there you go. Chat, chat, chat. Okay, so what are we? Are we clicking on this at the same time? How are we doing this? That's why I was thinking. I mean, unless like, unless you just because you know it by heart. Unless you want to just go like three, two, one, and then I have the reference with me and then you know it by heart and then we just sing it we could do it that way too i don't yeah like i know it by heart i don't need to see the video <laughs> like you know i i know this by heart have for at least 20 years now so um since they brought it back so so whenever whenever you're ready dan um to show that you're a closet eagles fan yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm expecting my shirt in the mail uh, <laughs> all right here we go. I, I don't know what kind of lead in this is, so you'll just have to hop the train when uh, you see me pull in. So <laughs> three, two, one. Fly. Fly, Eagles, fly. fly. On Go to victory. victory. 
Fight, Eagles, fight. Score a touchdown. One, two, three. Hit him low. Hit him high. And watch our Eagles fly. Eagles fly. Fly. Victory. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. That went about as well as a Zoom call probably would have let us. <laughs> and I definitely could not sight read as fast as I thought I could. <laughs> I I gave it a good honest try though. Um, you did, you did. I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you an A for effort. Although, thank you. and hopefully although, we didn't lose. Hopefully we didn't lose listeners for how uh, <laughs> how, how bad it was. How bad it sounds because yeah. Um, well, that's 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 Skype for you. We're we're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was that was fun though. That's a bet. Uh, that's a catchy song too. But it, um, is. it is, you know. And I was researching the Miami Dolphins one too. I was like re- reading that, and it, that song had to have been written probably in the seventies because I think it, I think it was because <laughs> like it literally had the word Super Bowl in it, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh boy, that can't have been written after like the seventies. Like, I think I think it was. Um, oh my god, that was fun though. But um, but yeah, that's a bet. And with that, uh, James, how about you go ahead and close us out? Let everybody know where they can reach out to us, where they can buy our stuff. Let them know. All right, guys. Just so you know, the Emergency Jim, Jimmy G Trade Podcast. That was it. So you don't have to be aware of this that. This emergency anymore. broadcast has commenced and is concluded concluded uh you know we still can do a jimmy g appreciation day at the end of it all uh once he actually is gone um so just that'll be down the road we'll do that you know eventually so but if you uh want to get instant access if you want to get our gear if you like us and want to support us financially then go to patreon.com backslash nine your nuts we have four tiers in which you can subscribe all tiers come with instant access. That's right. If you were to have instant access, you would get this show uh, on Monday when we record instead of Wednesday uh, when it gets released. Also, uh, our top two tiers come with guest appearances and also gear in which you can sport your Niner Nuts love. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Niner Nuts. Just follow us on our Facebook page. Give a like. We have Twitter, at uh, Niner Nuts on Twitter. Uh, if you want to converse with us, have ideas for the show, uh, just want to give us a shout out, whatever, uh, just reach us at 49ernuts at gmail.com. That's the number four. That's the number nine, ernuts at gmail.com. Uh, if you write a five-star review on Apple, uh, let us know through that email so that we can read that on the air. We will read every five-star rating on the air. Uh, we like to thank our sponsor, Daniel Mayer at Mayor Creative for our logo. Um, also, uh, we have official merchandise that you can buy. You don't have to be a Patreon subscriber to get. Um, if you want to just buy our merchandise, uh, the easiest way to do this is to Google uh, Niner Nuts Apparel, then go to the Bonfire website that you find when you get there. And then all proceeds currently right now for the sale of our apparel go to Human Traffic Recovery Centers in D.C., uh dan any uh any last news for us uh well jimmy g kind of sucked the air out of the room in terms of news um i've been refreshing roto world and uh niners wire.usa today to see if there's any 
cuts that uh, we could catch uh, before we sign off, because listeners, we are taking next week off. just want to remind you all, we're taking bye weeks the same as the teams are. So down the line, eight weeks later into the season, we'll take, that'll be our next bye week. But uh, for now, uh, yeah, we're going to take next week off and we'll be back to talk about the Bears. But uh, in terms of the news, uh, the only cut that, uh, the only cuts that we've had announced are three, so I can just read them off real quick. Donovan West, center from uh, Arizona. Uh, Arizona State that I read up on when we were doing our uh, position breakdown. Uh, he was released. Uh, I personally hope he ends up end- ending up on the practice squad. Uh, then we also cut uh, Ken Crawley, who spent a lot of time with the uh, with the Saints. Uh, we brought him in as some backfield depth, but uh, apparently we don't need him anymore. And then uh, Kadar Hallman, he was also released today as well. And that is all I know about uh, our roster un- until uh, 3 o'clock our time, 1 o'clock West Coast time tomorrow. Uh, that's We'll find out the rest of the roster by then, I guess, if not first thing tomorrow morning. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I got for news. Uh, just remember, again, we're taking a bye week off just like everybody else next week. And uh, we'll be back to talk about the Bears after that. We'll see how we do in the Windy City. Yep. And guys, once again, outro music, River Road by Justin Muth. Catch y'all later. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long.